Gracious, gracious Heavenly Father, we come again before thy throne, a wondrous throne of grace, the scripture tells us. A throne where we can find grace to help in time of need. And Lord, we are a needy people. There's never a time when we're not in need. Oh Lord, we come to you. We pray that again you'd speak to us through your word, that the Holy Spirit would would empower the the words of preached and, and would illuminate the scriptures for us, O oh Lord, that you would teach us to look to you, Lord Jesus, that you would refresh us. O oh Lord, so many things can bring us down and, and we're tried and tempted people. We struggle for with our own sinfulness, but you know us, Lord. You know we're but dust, and yet you have mercy upon us. So we pray you'd meet with us tonight as we go through your word, that you'd meet with us and uh, grant us a blessing, O Lord, through the preaching of thy word and thy holy gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Name of the message tonight is Gladness, Peace, and Sleep. Gladness, Peace, and Sleep. Tonight we'll continue our study in Psalm 4. Again, this is a wonderful psalm full of eight verses of absolute sweetness for the believer in Christ. Pure gold, as Brother Matt mentioned this week when we were texting back and forth about this very psalm. And we see again that this psalm is written for the chief musician on Neganoth. And this again is the chief musician of the stringed instruments in the temple worship. So let's read this wonderful psalm again, and again I'm going to put Elohim in where it is, and, and Jehovah where it is in the uh, Hebrew. Hear me when I call, O Elohim, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Jehovah hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Jehovah will hear when I call unto him. Or just Jehovah will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in Jehovah. There be many who will. There be many who that say, "Who shall show us any good?" Jehovah, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart, more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Jehovah, only makest me dwell in safety. This morning we looked at the first four verses of this wonderful psalm and seeing how Elohim hears our praise, which means the mighty one. And seeing that our God is named in this psalm, 
time in the whole Bible as God of my righteousness. Then we looked at the truce in verse 3. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'd like us to look at something else here in verse 3. It says, But know that Jehovah has set apart him that is godly for himself, and Jehovah will hear when I call unto him. We looked at this wondrous verse this morning, and we saw that God's people are set apart. Well, the Hebrew word which underlines this is actually for the whole phrase, hath set apart. It's one Hebrew word, and it means this, to be distinct. To be distinct. Marked out, be separated, and be distinguished. So right there again, as I mentioned this morning, we see the wonderful electing grace of God brought forth in the Old Testament. Now I'd like us to go to 1 Corinthians 4, 7 and look at this. This very same truth in very similar defined word. In the definition in the Greek, listen to how close this is to the Hebrew. Again, I'll read what the Hebrew is. To be distinct, marked out, be separated, be distinguished. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses or 1 Corinthians chapter 1 boy I got it there. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 the scripture declares this. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Now see the the word there differ. The Greek underlying word means this. And remember, I'm going to read again. I'm going to read again the Hebrew. To be distinct, marked out, be separated, be distinguished. The underlying Greek word here for differ means to separate. Make a distinction. Discriminate. To prefer. The same truth that's proclaimed in the New Testament is proclaimed in the Old Testament, beloved. So, beloved of God, again, we see, we see clearly brought forth in very plain language the electing grace of God. And it's Jehovah. It's Jehovah who has set David apart. And it's Jehovah who has set every one of his sheep apart. And it's Jehovah who makes us godly, beloved. Jesus Christ is God incarnate in the flesh, and we are clothed in his perfect, spotless righteousness. It's he who hath made us godly. And he has set us apart. This truth is brought forth in the Old Testament, just like it's brought forth, as we saw, in the New Testament. And it's God who has made us to differ in both sections. It's God who's done this. It's God who's done this. And that is a very God-honoring truth that speaks of the sovereignty of our great God in his free electing grace. The godly are the chosen of God 
And again, they are distinguished by distinguishing grace. They're set apart. They're separated from among men. Remember in our study in the life of Joseph that Israel and his family were separated from the rest of the Egyptians, which again pictures us living in Egypt, which is a picture of the world, but yet separated from the Egyptians. And we are a chosen people, beloved. We are distinguished by the grace of God. And we are separated from other men. And and this is clearly in verse 3, clearly the doctrine of election. And unregenerated men and women cannot stand this truth. Whether they be religious or whether they be lost. It's something that, that they don't understand. And I remember... Someone telling me when I was religious and unregenerate, and I reacted the same way as natural man does. I recoiled at that truth. Because you see, man wants something to do. Do you know that all religion is reciprocal? All religion. My son was doing a study in anthropology. And he called me in about this article that he pulled up. And in the article, this, this man it does not profess to be Christian who wrote this article. And he said, every religion in the world is reciprocal. Where man feels like they have to do something for God, and then God has to give them something back. That's religion in a nutshell. And the more they do and the more they give, the higher their standing is within that church or within that body or organization. You see, grace flips it all upside down, beloved. It's God who who has set his love upon us. It's God who has set us apart. It's God who's done this. We are but mere receivers of his grace and we have nothing to offer in return and we receive that grace, and we, we are filled with great joy that we are even objects of God's divine love, and he expects nothing in return. It's he who has sacrificed himself to redeem our eternal souls. It's he who's done this. So grace is the only true place where what we believe is not received. We don't do things for the Lord to get things from God. We don't give to get. We don't give to get. No. Not at all. If you do, you have the wrong attitude. Because we are grateful for the great things that God has done for us. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And this wonderful doctrine of election is a glorious truth which comforts the true believer. And what rare persons the godly are. What rare persons the born-again, blood-washed saint really is. And our text says here in Psalm 4, verse 3, that they are set apart for himself. 
Jehovah has set apart a people for himself. Jehovah chooses men for his own possession, men and women for his own possession. And the chosen ones are his treasure. His treasure. Oh, for the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. He, they are the excellent of the earth, his jewels, beloved. Malachi, it says this in chapter 3, verse 17, and they shall be mine. Well, why are they his? Because they were set apart. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts which is Jehovah. In that day when I make up my jewels I, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. So with that in mind, let's now read verse 5 of this psalm. The scripture declares, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in Jehovah. If the rebel has obeyed the last verse, verse 4, he now would be crying with the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? And the only way we can do that, eh, is by the regenerating power of God the Holy Spirit. And our prayer is if you do not know Christ, oh, oh, that the Lord would draw you to Christ. There's only one answer to the question, must, what must I do to be saved? There's only one answer. Go to the Lamb. Go to the Lamb of God. Go to the sacrifice of righteousness. Go to God's only accepted sacrifice for sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in the Lord. When the Jew offered sacrifice righteously, that is in a spiritual manner, he was setting forth the great Redeemer, beloved. He was setting forth the great sin-atoning Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the psalmist shows in this verse the full gospel here. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Flee to the sacrifice at Calvary the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, and put in him your whole confidence and your whole trust. Because it is he who died for sinners. It is he who is God incarnate in the flesh. He is Lord of all. And he is the only hope for sinners. All your trust in our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Cast yourself upon him, and here never cast away any who comes to him. Here never cast away any. Listen to what Robert Hawker comments on verse 5 here, and I'll read the verse again. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Robert Hawker comments this, nothing can be more gracious than what is here recommended. It is as if if the Holy Spirit 
of God commanded the sinner to pause over this view of his own nothingness. And then to come by faith with Jesus and his righteousness in his arms and say, Jehovah, here is my soul trust and dependence. And is that not what we do by faith, beloved? Oh, it is, isn't it? Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Beloved of God, sacrifices of righteousness are such as were according to the law. Sacrifices offered in the right manner, which were not maimed, nor had any blemish in them. Why? Because they pictured the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And those sacrifices in the Old Testament were offered up in the faith of that great sacrifice, Christ Jesus. For without faith, the scripture says, it is impossible to please God. By any sacrifice, we know this to be true, and this sense is confirmed by the following clause which requires trust in the Lord at the end in the latter part of this verse and put your trust in the Lord. So we are to offer up the sacrifices of righteousness, and we are to put our trust in the Lord. We are to put our trust in Jehovah. Never, ever, ever put your trust in your own strength, or in your riches, or in your intellect, or in works of righteousness, or sacrifices of righteousness, beloved, they are not to be trusted in. And do not even put trust in your own heart. Because the scripture declares the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And well, the psalmist is striking at the false confidence of the sons of man, he is here addressing... He may at the same time be thought to be encouraging those that were with him to trust in the Lord. So, as we saw in verse 4, stand in awe and sin not, commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. He's encouraging those in the following verse. Verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. He's striking with one point at the false confidences of the sons of man, which is, which is found, which actually we found in verse 2, when he says, how long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? And then he says in verse 4, you need to offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Oh my, and then we see in verse yeah, in verse 5 there, you need to offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. He's encouraging those who were with him to trust in the Lord, Jehovah. What does it say in Psalm 2? Turn over just a couple Psalms here. Look at this, Psalm 2. We know this speaks of the Son of God. Look at verse 12. Kiss the Son lest he be angry. And you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. 
in him. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled, just but a little. Just a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Beloved, we are to trust in the Son of God alone, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we trust in him for all our acceptance before God, don't we? We trust in him for all our righteousness. We trust in him for all our justification. We trust in him for all our pardon, beloved. And we trust in him for the forgiveness of all our sins. The expiation, Scripture says, of our sins. We also trust in him in his fullness. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. We trust in his fullness for our daily supplies. We trust in him in his almighty power for protection and safety. And beloved of God, it is right. It is right to trust him at all times. It is right to trust him in affliction. It is right to trust him in times of temptation. It's right to trust him in times of desertion. It's right to trust him in times of joy. It's right to trust him in times of sorrow. It's right to trust him at all times, beloved, no matter what. He, Elohim, he, Jehovah, is always the same. In him is everlasting strength. He has, an, he has an ability to help and give assistance and support in times of hardship, distress, that none can ever compare to. And none that has ever trusted him, none that has ever trusted Elohim, none who has ever trusted Jehovah, were confused as they have peace and safety, which we'll see at the latter part of this psalm. Why? Because the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. Now let's look at verse 6. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, or Jehovah, Lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Now there were many, even among David's followers, who wanted to see rather than, than to believe. And this is especially true of the worldling, who says, we desire to see good. We desire to see good. One thing we men and women do is we make mistakes good, don't we? All of us. And those spoken of in this verse desire to satisfy their passions and have no notion of any happiness that does not come to them except through their senses. See, we have a joy and a peace and a happiness that doesn't come to us through our senses, beloved. We have an inner joy, an inner peace, an inner rest that the world has no idea about or of. And these spoken of in this verse desire to satisfy their passions and have no notion of any happiness that does not come to them again except through their senses. 
Therefore, they reject spiritual good. They reject Jehovah, who alone can gratify man's desires. This is the reason why a millionaire always wants more millions. They never have enough. And they are never content with what they have. Now we know that riches are not evil in themselves because God sometimes gives them to the righteous. But more generally, they are the property of the enemies of God. Listen to what Jack Shanks once said. The awful reality is that those who receive and are never received of the Lord. How awful, and he's speaking of those in verse, um, verse 6 who, who just see things through their senses. How awful to be a rich man in hell to suffer the torments of the damned forever. God and all he has made is not more than God without anything he has made. It is better to enjoy God without anything else than to enjoy everything else without him. Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. Give us the light of the Lord that we may see what is real. End quote. Beloved, the light of God's countenance is the Christian's riches. This is his honor, his ambition, and his ease. Truly, this only comes with God's fellowship with us. And we know that our fellowship with God is through the Son through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the cry of David at the latter part of this verse. Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. And this is speaking of God's gracious presence with David. The manifold manifestations of his mercies to David and the discoveries that David has made of God's eternal love to him, of his communion with him, and the fact that he communes with God leaves him in absolute awe, and he desires that communion. He says, Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Oh, my. Again, we read that latter part of verse 6. Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. This also speaks of the comforts of God's spirit and the joys of David's salvation, which is in Christ, who is Jehovah. He's Jehovah. God's people run to who? Christ. Jehovah in the flesh. Lord, again in this verse, is Jehovah. When it says, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. When it says, Lord, lift thou, that's Jehovah. Lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. This is speaking of God as being raised up as a banner. 
over them. And we know this occurs every time the gospel's preached, doesn't it? Every time the gospel's preached, the banner, the ensign of the Lord is raised. Is raised. And the believer's rest, the believer's safety is in Jehovah. It is he who is the safety of his people. It is he who is a shield round about them. It is he who encompasses them. Psalm 5, turn over to Psalm 5, just look, it's right the next psalm here. Look at verse 12, and we see this so clearly. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. Those who have been set apart in verse 3 of Psalm 4, those who have been made to differ, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, as we looked at, right? The righteous, not righteous, but made righteous by the Lord Jesus Christ. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou encompass him as with a shield. He's just like a shield. Stand man used to stand behind shields, and some of them were really large shields that encompassed their whole body, and they could stand behind that, and nothing could hit them. And that's what, that's what Christ is to his people. He's a shield that encompasses us. With that in mind, let's read verse 7 now. And note who puts the gladness in our hearts. See, this is where you hear me say many times that, that you, cannot, you cannot muster up the fruits of the Spirit. You cannot counterfeit the fruits of the Spirit. This is true gladness that's going to be spoken of here. It says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. Beloved, I like this quote. Again, it's from Brother Jack. Jack Shanks. Beloved, Christ in the heart is better than corn in the barn. And gladness of God creates joy greater than when corn and wine increase. I'll tell you, when God pours the joys of heaven, they fill the soul of God's people. And they run over. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4, the scripture declares, Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulations. Now the word there, exceedingly, is I overflow with joy. An example of this would be a cup that you're pouring Say so you're pouring water into it. And it gets to the point where it's so full that the water just runs over. Runs over that cup. See, that's the joy of the Spirit. So what's being brought forth here is the fruit of the Spirit, which the Holy Ghost works in us. That being love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is 
no law. A man who the Lord Jesus Christ saved by his grace said this. He said, I am happier now when I'm not happy than I was before I was saved and was happy. So he's saying in his unhappiness, as a believer, he's more joyful than he ever was as an unbeliever. One time a preacher visited a family who had lost all that they had possessed in the fire, but they were spared. The mother was a believer, and the preacher said, I give you joy, madam. And she said, what? Joy? All my property is gone. And the preacher replied, no, ma'am, joy that you... I'm speaking of the joy that you have that no such fire can touch. Beloved of God, there is as much difference between God's gladness and man's as between a banquet that is eaten and one that's painted on the wall. And the worldling, the worldling is always trying to find something new. A heathen king named Exercis offered great rewards to anyone who could find a new pleasure. A new pleasure. Beloved of God, this is where the worldling is. Always trying to find something new that would shut out reality. Let's read verse 7 again. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and wine increased. Now listen to this verse in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Oh, Jehovah, thou hast put gladness in my heart. More than in the time that those of the world, their their corn and wine increased. Now let's look at this last verse. In this wonderful psalm, it says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Jehovah, only makest me dwell in safety. Now the question may come, how can a believer lay down in peace and sleep in this wicked world? Beloved, there is no pillow so soft as the promise of God, is there? There is no pillow so soft for the believer as a promise of God. Especially the promise of a Savior from sin. Acts 5.31 Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a Savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And that means all sins. Oh, what a pillow. What a soft pillow are the promises of God. And we must never lose sight of the Lord Jesus Christ while reading this psalm. As he is the Lord our righteousness. And when we come before God, we must 
refer to Him as the Lord our righteousness. Eh? Never forget, as I said this morning, that you, in prayer, you are approaching Elohim. You are approaching the strong and mighty one. You are approaching the Lord our righteousness. And we cannot lay down in peace and sleep unless He is in our heart. Eh? Oh my, unless we've been born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And think upon this, beloved. Beloved of God, divinely loved ones, the blessed of God, the Father has set you apart. And the Father has sent His Son, the Word of God, one in our nature, but in perfect purity sinless, spotless. And he came to this world to represent us, living the perfect life that we could never live, fulfilling the law of God in our room and place, and then satisfying satisfying the law and justice of God by dying on Calvary's cross as the great substitute of our sins. Sinless, spotless. And now he represents us before the throne of God's grace. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. God manifested in the flesh. It's he who the Father said in him, I am well pleased. Now the believer in Christ can know that my God and Father will hear me when I call upon him in Christ. And we can see that clearly brought forth. Look in verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Because we're in Christ. And that's the only reason. The believer then calls upon the Lord for acceptance, knowing that God will hear them for his son's sake. And the believer can proclaim, my heart is fixed because the Lord Jesus Christ is my hope and my righteousness. My heart is fixed upon him. And as a farmer sows seed in the daytime and then goes to sleep, and, causes, and, and God causes all that we have done to grow and to prosper, and we do not even know how, eh? Matthew chapter 4, verses 26 and 27 says, and He said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed shall spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. So think upon this. We are told in Scripture to cast our cares upon Christ because He careth for us. When we sleep, we're casting our cares upon Him. You ever think that while we're sleeping, he performs all things for us according to his will. Even while we're sleeping or whether we're awake, 
And when we sleep, we give up caring for ourselves. Do you ever think of that? And we are delivered into the hands of another. We lay our head down. We say, Lord, if I don't wake up in the morning, I know I'm in your hands like I always am. That's perfect trust, beloved. Now, sometimes cares and anxiety invade our sleep. Perhaps the pressure of a day causes a reaction. And as one commentator said, we think perhaps the sky is falling while we're sleeping. But beloved, never forget who holds the sky in place. It's Jehovah. So will ye pillowed our head? All things are working according to his will. And the same God who keeps us in the way every single day is the same God who watches over us at night because he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is ever watchful over his people. And oftentimes we fight a good trusting fight in the day, but we find that the quiet time is when we forget loving trust for the Lord. We forget to say, I will lay me down to sleep and leave tomorrow with God. And that's what we need to do. We need to lay ourselves down to sleep and we're going to, we need to say, I'm going to leave tomorrow with God. Because tomorrow might not come for me. We may be ushered into glory that night. We don't know. There was a preacher of old who was to be executed on the next morning. And his brother offered to stay with him through the night. But the preacher declined saying, I mean to go to bed and sleep quietly as ever I did in my life. Just trusting the Lord. Beloved, he knew the truth of this verse here. He knew the truth of, of verse 8 here, which says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Jehovah, only makest me dwell in safety. And how much that would be good to remind ourselves. Someone says they don't get anxious, they're lying, they they have anxious moments. Something will eventually come up in their life that will make them anxious. And in those moments, we need to just trust the Lord. I need to always remind myself that. Just trust the Lord, Wayne. He's in control. He holds every breath you breathe. And every heart beat of mine is in his hands. So this preacher who was going to be executed the next morning, and said, no, I, I mean to go to bed and sleep quietly as ever I did in my life. He knew the truth of this verse here before us, beloved. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Jehovah, only makest me dwell in safety. He knew that tomorrow and forever was in Jehovah's hands. He knew that his eternal soul was in the hands of Elohim, the one who is his shield and protector, the mighty one. And beloved, if we could but dwell on God's good providence, 
we would have perfect peace at bedtime and during the day as we commit all our concerns unto our loving Father's hands. Knowing that whatever transpires in the night has been ordained by him just as whatever transpires during the day has been ordained by him. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that, who are the called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. And although it's hard, we must not bring the evil of tomorrow upon today and ruin our rest that we have each day in Christ. And this is proclaimed very clearly in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, where it says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. When we consider God's providence at work in our lives, beloved, it will cause us to have a sweet rest. A sweet rest in Elohim. In the same way, we must resign ourselves to the grave as well. For in due time, we will arise and sing a morning song with all those who have proceeded before us. Death is but a doorway into the glory of heaven for the blood-washed, born-again, redeemed saint of God. And the believer in Christ can proclaim these precious words in our heart about our departure from this world. Weep not for me, but for yourselves. I go to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will, who will through the mediation of his blessed Son receive me, though a sinner, where I hope we shall meet to sing the new song and remain everlastingly happy in the world without end. We will close with this. How beautiful is sleep, the sleep that Christians know. Ye mourners, cease your woe. Will soft upon his Savior's breast, the righteous sinks to endless rest. Amen and amen. Heavenly Father, again we thank thee for this wonderful psalm. Oh, the words are precious within it, O Lord and how they comfort your people. And this is what the preacher is to do. The scriptures proclaim that we are to comfort ye, comfort ye my people, Lord. And we are to tell them that their iniquity is forgiven. Oh my, Lord. And how when you see in this psalm that your people are set apart, and that the sacrifice of righteousness we know to be the Lord Jesus Christ who is the God of my righteousness. Glory be, Lord Jesus, for your mercy and grace to your people. May you use this message, these two messages today, O Lord, to show sinners their desperate need of thee, O Lord. And may you build up the saints and comfort our hearts in our times of need. In Jesus' name, amen.